Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, and I'm the Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer for today. Now, for this episode, we're interviewing Kelly Wingo. Welcome, Kelly. Oh, thank you for having me, Christina. Well, before we jump into our topic on developing an entrepreneurial mindset in the workplace, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure. Again, my name is Kelly Wingo, and I like to call myself the corporate entrepreneurial mindset evangelist leadership development strategist for all of your business needs. Now, I know that was a mouthful, but I have a consultancy called KMW Catalyst, and I focus on entrepreneurial mindset and culture within the corporate space, um, which also leads to greater employee engagement, vision, and strategy. Prior to that, I spent 25 years in financial services and uh, decided to launch my consultancy about three years ago, and it's been an exciting journey. I love your varied experience. So let's just let's dive in and tap into that expertise. So first of all, what is, why? Well, first of all, what is an entrepreneurial mindset and why do we need it? Okay. So an entrepreneurial mindset is much more for just business owners. Whether you have five different ventures that you've been a part of, or you never own a business, having an entrepreneurial mindset is really important for a couple of reasons, because we all need to take ownership of our lives, of our career trajectories, of our personal and professional lives. So when we talk about entrepreneurial mindset, we're talking about being highly motivated and taking ownership of whatever processes, products, systems that you are in charge of, especially when we're talking about the corporate space. And it's important because so many times we live at the effect of things and we think that we have to live at the effect of things. And as a matter of fact, Gallup has a um, has some statistics saying that 85% of workers globally are either disengaged or actively disengaged. Yeah, That is an astounding number. So that means that the majority of workers globally spend years in places, in spaces that are literally sucking their life's blood. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who dreamed of this life when they were a child. It just doesn't happen. But things happen. You get used to the sameness, lameness, tameness, because sometimes we feel like we don't have a choice in what we do. If we're an employee, we just have to do what we're told. But that's actually not the case. You do what you're capable of. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know, for instance, and and let me give you a little history and and back up. Technically, when we talk about entrepreneurial mind space within businesses or as an employee, the technical term is called intrapreneurship. It's kind of like a takeoff of entrepreneurship. And I say, I, I tend to say entrepreneurial mindset because people don't really know all the time what an entrepreneur is. But actually, it was a phrase that was coined back in the late 1970s by Gifford and Elizabeth Pinchot. And at the time when it was defined, it was really relegated to just the highest levels of employees. So we're talking about CEOs, we're talking about um, business heads, department heads, things of that nature. 
But I maintain that an entrepreneurial mindset is good from everyone from the mailroom to the boardroom because nobody needs to give us permission to be highly motivated. Nobody needs to give us permission to take ownership of what we do. And you know what happens when we take ownership, we feel empowered, then it changes the trajectory of how we look at our jobs and how we look at our lives because we realize that there is much more that we have power, influence, and control over than we give ourselves credit for. Even in the most toxic relationships or most toxic business relationships, you always have the power of choice. And even when companies as a whole adopt this entrepreneurial mindset or entrepreneurial mindset within their corporations, innovation goes up. Creativity goes up. And also that means that what? You have better customer service. Because if you really hate your job, you don't think your customers know that you do? Of course (laughs) they know that you do. Uh It comes through. It's hard to be an actor and have a persona 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So when you feel empowered, you have better client interactions. And when you have better client interactions, well, that means more revenue. And even for nonprofit entities, that can mean more funding for you. So it's really more than just a singular thing. It has a ripple effect. It has a domino effect. When taking ownership or this entrepreneurial mindset takes place, a lot of things change. And it also ripples into your life. Again, when we talk about taking a business owner mindset, a CEO mindset of how you design your career, how you live your life, how you run your household, it changes how you approach things in life. I'm extremely motivated right now. (laughs) I know, I'm ready to just go do things. And we're done. Well, first of all, I'm very impressed at how well you say entrepreneurial and intrapreneurial. Lots of practice. And you see, I messed up the first time. So lots of practice. (laughs) (laughs) And second, I think that's, I I really think it's, it's an, it's awesome how it's about empowering yourself and owning your career and owning your experience essentially in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's about because it's just, it's, it's sad that so many people are disengaged or actively disengaged and actively when we say actively disengaged, they're really trying to tear down the walls. You know, it's not just watching YouTube videos all day while at your work. It's it's about being actively disengaged. And that's a really sad statistic. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And so my purpose is to really change that mindset and empower people, especially when we talk about businesses and corporations to really hone that because it's just a better situation for employers, employees, uh, all the way around, you know, really bringing that human experience into the business experience. You know, for instance, even when you look at things like social media, for instance, let's just take Oprah Winfrey for for an example. Um, You know, she has Harpo, which is her production unit, but then also she's a personality herself. Even when you look at her social media accounts, and I'm sure Harpo has a social media account too, there are many more followers to her personally than to a business account. So even in businesses, even though there there may be very large corporations and very small corporations, people resonate with other people. Humans resonate with other humans. So when we feel empowered as humans, people see us as humans, as opposed to employee number X, Y, Z. People see us more than just our titles, but they see the humanity in us. And it has, again, a ripple effect. 
I could not agree with you more on your characterization of what we need to see in the workplace. Remembering that there are people at the center of the work experience is something I think we're so quick to forget. And yet it is the most important part. And I want to go back to something you mentioned a little while ago. You used three words in a row that made me smile. You said Mm -hmm. lameness, sameness, and tameness when you were (laughs) describing the work experience. And I kind of had to smile about that because I think we all can relate to how that feels. We've all been in a role. And so I'm curious, if you're thinking about the people who are in that spot now, maybe they're listening to this episode as they're wrapping up another day of the same thing. Mm. And if they're thinking about how they don't feel like they've got control and choice, how do they start to change that mindset? What are some of the tips you might have for somebody who wants to at least begin to get into that mindset? You know, it's it's so funny um, that we were talking um, before we actually started about, you know, the year that we've had and the challenges. And, you know, even sometimes the beauty of it is that we live in a workplace disrupted, right? You know, yes, we do. what we were doing before, what was it, March 13th of 2020 is no longer the case. And it may never go back to that. And that's actually a good thing because we're really seeing in many cases, the death of the traditional nine to five, sometimes by choice, sometimes not, you know, if you have to homeschool your kids, you've got a lot of other things going on, you know, but I see that as even just that as an entry to empowerment, because in some cases, you have to take more ownership, even over your schedule, you've got to be a professional boundary setter, you've got to say, well, I've got a lot on my plate, and I'm going to get done what I'm going to get done. And maybe it's not necessarily going to be from 9 to 10 a.m. Maybe I need to shift that to 4 to 5, but still keeping with your boundaries within your household. So that's one thing. If you can take an advantage of this disruption of everything, let's just say, in terms of work schedules, that is a way to feel empowered because maybe you're not always having to be in the office for a set number of hours. So use that as, you know, a way to start taking ownership even of your own schedule. The second thing I would say is that start small. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, trying to change the whole world at the same time, all at once is going to be really difficult. So I'm just going to stop here because I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Look at one thing that you can do. And I I would would encourage people who may be listening to, to do this little exercise. Set on a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document, what have you, four columns. You have your absolutely positively need to do requirements. You have your strong desires that it may not be a requirement, but you probably should do it and you have a strong desire to do it. The third column is your want to haves or nice to haves. It's not a super strong desire and it's not a requirement, but it's it's something that you would like to accomplish. And then the fourth column is everything else. The first thing you do, once you put everything else in the, something in the everything else column, forget about that. That's not what you're going to focus on. You really hone down on laying out everything that you think you need to do. And this can go for a, a, a day in your work life. It can go into planning for the month or for the week. You can do it for any time frame that you wish. And then you really think about, is this really necessary? So I have 10 things to do at my workday. 
And it's not really going to be feasible for me to get all 10 things done. So let me line up in the morning or even the night before these 10 things and put them in these four columns. So when you start to really think about what is an absolute priority and focus just on, depending on how much time they take, maybe just three things that are absolutely positively a priority in a day. And then you start going down the line again on desires, strong desires, nice to haves, and everything else. So you start kind of framing out your own priorities. You frame out what is going to be a priority. And if you need to work with your manager, if this is a work situation, you need to work with your manager on what priorities might be for that day, for that week, for that month, for that quarter, then do so. So you're working in tandem with your management and you're working in partnership to have a win-win conversation. That's another way you can really start to take ownership and not be so overwhelmed. Sometimes when we just see all of these to-dos and check boxes and lists and think you all have to get it done all the same time, again, we overwhelm takes place and we sometimes seize up. It comes becomes an analysis paralysis because there's so much to do that I'm frozen and I've gone down the rabbit hole and I don't know what else to do. But when you start really putting pen to paper or writing it down or thinking it through, it kind of changes how what your focus is. And then the, the third thing I would say is learn how to be a professional boundary setter which mm-hmm. incorporates strategic no's and strategic yeses. We're all talented people. We all have good brains. That's not the issue. So even when it comes to good opportunities coming your way, whether it be in the workspace or outside the workspace, it's not always possible to say yes to everything, even if it's a good thing. So when you start thinking about your overall vision for where you want to go or your goals and certain things, opportunities come to you, while they may be good, does that align with your goal for today or your vision long-term? If it doesn't, it may be a strategic no for right now. It not is, is not necessarily a never, but a strategic no for right now. Or a strategic yes that you may need to stretch yourself to do because it does align with your daily goals or your overall vision. So those are the three ways I would say in terms of starting to take ownership um, and shift your mindset. Just to, to paraphrase, taking control of your schedule in this disruption of everything type of work world as much as you're able to. Lining up your requirement, desires nice to haves and everything else. And then being a strategic boundary setter in terms of being strategic in what you say yes to and what you say no to. I love that. I had a coach that said, if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Yep. And vice versa. I love that. Kelly, I'm curious, do you think there are certain criteria for success? In other words, what does it look like when you are being indeed entrepreneurial. Are there some things that tend to come up? Do you get certain opportunities? What does that look like? That's a a great question, Leticia, and thank you for asking that Um, because that's also essential to this entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset. When we talk about taking control, power, and influence, we're also talking about control, power, and influence and how you define success. We live in a social media world, which social media is not the devil. I'm not coming for social media. But what we are seeing is that 
we see more comparison of ourselves and what success looks like to other people. A true entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial mindset defines success for yourself. So success can mean I got through this day with my sanity intact. And that is a successful day. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think we can all, I, I think we can all, you know, definitely relate to that. Yes. <laughs> if I don't have a meltdown today, goodness gracious, that is a fantastic day. And that's, <laughs> you know, so we have to be realistic about how we define success. And that's the beauty of it. So when we talk about success markers in terms of, am I being entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial? you define that for yourself. So if we're talking about, for instance, career trajectory, you may never have an overall vision of being a CEO of a company. If you do, that's great. If you don't, that's okay too. Your vision could be, I want to contribute in a meaningful way to this department, or I want to work for this type of company. So that's how you define success for yourself. And then the little goals that you take and the little the, the little steps that you take to achieve that goal, that can be success. When we talk about the difference even between vision, which is overarching, free from limitations and assumptions, and goals, goals can be shorter term markers to get to that higher place vision. Understanding that the vision can remain the same, but there are so many ways to reach the pinnacle of the mountain. It's okay to course correct. It's okay to say, you know what? I was going to go left. Now I need to go right. And I'll even tell you a little funny story about myself. Like, you know, before as in my evolution, we're all evolutionary creatures. I used to be the type of person who had to know, is it 25 steps or 22 steps? Is it left, right? Is it 4.6 degrees or is it 4.678 degrees to the left? Is it kind of a hard right or hard? You know, I used to have to know every single step to know how to get to this success point that I had labeled in my mind. But when my own mind that shifted, I realized that I am standing in my own way to get to what I want because I'm yeah. so like, it has to be this way. There's only way, way, one way to do it and only one way to be successful. That is completely untrue. And when you start to think differently, like, okay, I can still keep my vision. But you know, sometimes I, I go to the left, sometimes I go to the right, sometimes I float, fall flat on my face and break my nose, skin my skin, my, uh, my knees and all of that. But that's okay, I'm going to get up and keep going. So when we talk about success, it's really defining for yourself what that means. And that is really a lot of the mindset. When we talk about entrepreneurial culture, or um, entrepreneurial culture, it's defining what that looks like the freedom in, in, in owning the freedom to say, this is what success looks like for me. And I'm going to figure out how to get there step by step. Mm. Own it, be it, do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. I, I feel like so much of what you have shared today is so actionable. There are so many steps that you can take no matter where you happen to be in your journey, in your career, and a job that you love and a job that you wish you loved. There is so yeah. much we can take away. And, you know, we we are so grateful that you have given us so much that we are going to ask you for a little bit more today. Sure. <laughs> I'm the, ready. Let's go. Good. That's what I love to hear. <laughs> so at the end of every episode, we like to ask five rapid fire style questions. Each question, you get about 60 seconds or so to respond. We're going to ask them pretty quickly. So what do you think? Are you ready for a couple rapid fire questions? 
I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. All right. Your <laughs> first your first question. Give us one book that all professionals must read and why. Leading from the Outside by Stacey Abrams. I'm sure many of you know Stacey Abrams in Georgia. She's arguably one of the, the biggest stars of the election in 2020. And she wrote a book. I think she wrote this book in 2018 or 2019. And she really talks about feeling like an outsider and not fitting the norm, but still relentlessly pursuing her goals. So I think that talent development professionals, leadership development professionals can learn a lot from this book because we all kind of feel like the oddball at some point. But she really shows how you can be extremely successful, even if you feel like an outsider. I think there's some great alignment to some of the tips and ideas you shared today, too, when you think about what it means to put some of this in perspective. That is a great selection. All right. Next question. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. So my tool is, is actually hardware. Generally, I work a little background. I work in my office, which I have like this big, you know, iMac 27 inch screen so I can you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I have like a lot of screens up sometimes It is because it's easier to see things. However, I do work with my laptop a lot too. So I actually got a portable monitor that I can plug into my laptop. I'm actually looking at it now. So when I'm not in my office on my big, you know, 27 inch screen, I can put something on the, the portable uh, monitor and work on my actual laptop monitor. And honestly, it's been a pr- productivity saver and a time saver. So I would highly recommend it. I have a very similar setup and just made a note that I need to look into that. So you've inspired me. That's a great idea. All right. What's the best piece of professional advice you've ever been given? My best piece of professional advice wasn't even, I don't think anybody, anything anybody has told me. It's really by observation of watching other people. And that is to make fear and failure your friends. We live a human life. We're all going to experience fear. We have experienced fear and failure as well. So get used to it, get comfortable with it and, and create an opportunity of it because you don't get a cookie for doing something that's easy for you. <laughs> you don't get a gold star for that. Now, I mean, if you woke up all beautiful and perfect, great, put it on Instagram. Maybe you'll get some likes. However, in real life, you know, we we have to to try. We struggle. Sometimes we fall flat on our faces. I was saying before, we, you know, chip a tooth and, and skin our knees and all that type of stuff. But the most important thing is how are you, what is the next step you're going to take after you fail at something? What are you going to do after that? So take it as an opportunity. Sometimes when everything goes so quote unquote perfectly and there's actually no such thing as perfection, we don't even know how something went so well. Sometimes we've got to fall down, you know, to figure out, okay, maybe I need to tweak something or I may, may need to do something differently. So I would say that's probably the, the best advice, you know, verbal or otherwise that, that I've, I've received to make fear and failure your friend. I absolutely love that too. I mean, it especially resonates for any of us who work in the talent development field where we're encouraging people to learn from their mistakes and learn from their yeah. failures. We have to do it too, right? Yes. Oh, I love that. I really do. All right. What's one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2021? So this is a really interesting question um, as well. I think, you know, as the world starts to open up a bit, how the, the work life is going to go, I mean, how a hybrid in-person virtual existence might play out. I think it's going to be a very interesting case study. And sometimes when you're in the middle of 
all of this, it's hard to see where it's going. But for instance, I think it'll be interesting to look back at this time in, let's say, five years or even three years from now and see how, you know, the period from 2019 to 2021 or maybe even 2022 has changed what our workplace looks like, how we work. Is it the death of nine to five? I think it's definitely the death of nine to five. I think we're, we're figuring out how to work differently and maybe more productively and efficiently and happier because of that. So that's what I'm kind of excited to see how 2021 will play out in terms of workplace uh, behaviors. Ooh, I share that with you. I think it's a really exciting time for work in a lot of ways. Totally agree. All right. We are on to your last question. And here it is. What is the one thing that you are deeply grateful for right now? I think when we talk about the space that we're all in, you know, talent development, leadership development, is that people need us now more than ever. Because what was prior to all of this hugabaloo that we, we've been in is that we can't make, for instance, 2019 before a rosier picture. It's not the good old days. I think what we've been through in the last year has indicated that we've been walking on a broken foot for a very long time. You just kind of get used to working on a broken foot. And so when crisis happens, that's when you really reevaluate what works and what doesn't work and try to make things and build things that actually do work. So I feel like those of us in, in our profession can definitely be the catalyst for that because it's really less about the actual physical things that we do, but it's about the mindset shifts and how we can innovatively change things and think differently instead of saying, well, this is how we've always done it. Well, this is how we've always done it. it hasn't really worked out for us. And the last year has, has really uh, unearthed the schisms with how we were doing things. This is an awesome opportunity to make things better and to and different and to work at work <laughs> as well as outside of work. So I think that's really what I am deeply grateful for that we're able to contribute to this conversation and shift the focus and shift the paradigm when we're talking about companies, employees, business owners now more than ever. Oh, nice. Oh, that was that was deep. I love it. <laughs> what a great insight to wrap up on. I mean, that is that is really really fantastic stuff. Well, you guys oh. are just such good conversationalists. It's just it's been amazing talking to you and talking about these things that are so important. So I appreciate and I'm honored by the opportunity. Oh well, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom with us. So it was it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure on my end, all mine. Oh, and a thank you to my co-hosts. You're welcome. This was great. Thank you so much, Kelly. I mean, you have given us so much to think about. This has been a phenomenal conversation and given me a ton to consider. So really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you. And many thanks to our community for listening. Now, before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. We have a lot of great events each month for you to connect with fellow DCATDers. Go to dcatd.org to sign up for one today. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.